everyone, and welcome to episode eight of our professional perspective series of What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and today I have with me Ritu Anand. What Cause Inspires You is a podcast founded for students ages 13 to 21 to be able to share the service they're doing in their communities. We recently launched our professional perspective series in order for experts in their field to give insight to our youth about how to make a stronger impact and accelerate social justice movements. Ritu is a licensed clinical social worker, therapist, and founder of Creative Healing Collective, LLC. Creating Healing Collective's mission is to facilitate individual and collective healing by using creativity, enhancing connections, and encouraging political action. She's passionate about using her platform to empower adults and young people to use their voices while exploring the intersection of social justice and mental health. This podcast series will be available on Spotify and YouTube under Humanity Rising Voices. Ritu, we're super thrilled to have you with us today. Are you ready to begin? Yes, what an amazing intro. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. Why don't we just get started off um, really simple and kind of explain to us why social justice in general is important to you. Thank you. Um, I think our missions are very similar, actually, you know, giving a voice, giving yeah. voices to people. Um, so for me, you know, I'm Indian American. And so when I was growing up, I'm very open about this. I was growing up in a uh, family with domestic violence. It was very difficult. Um, and so I think I knew at too young of an age what is not fair and what is fair. And I think I was very sensitive to pain because of it. And so as I kind of grew up and I would see different things, it wasn't just my family. It was I might be visiting family in India and they're not treating their servants well, you know? So I was like, this isn't fair. This is not okay. So I think at a very young age, I was tuned into it. It just didn't look the same as it does now because I had different resources at the time. But I remember being a teenager and thinking, I know I have privilege and I know I have to figure out how to use it to help other people, myself also, but other people. So that's kind of where, where the seed was planted. That's amazing. And it's great to see how personal experiences can drive social justice movements and are sometimes trauma are sometimes the most impactful way to really connect to an audience and empathize with them um, and really go through experiences together. And I actually been working with Maitri, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're an organization that helps victims of domestic violence and human trafficking. So I'm very familiar on that aspect um, as to how to spread social justice for um, victims of domestic violence. And that's one of my biggest callings that I feel is really to get that to a youth level because more often than not, we see partner violence, maybe not domestic, but partner violence and relationship abuse in the youth and teenagers. And it's really like, how do you connect with them and tell them that this is not okay? It's not something that should be normalized. Um, but this is just me going on a tangent because you just touched upon a topic that's very close to my heart. Um, but kind of, yeah, kind of switching gears. Um, you mentioned that you were Indian American or uh, South Asian background. Mm -hmm. um, I am as well. And I think in our community, mental health isn't something that people talk about. Actually, I would argue that when we grow up, we're told that mental health isn't a thing. You know, it's like you have to be strong. You have to put up that front. And when it comes to actually addressing mental health issues, oftentimes they're not South Asian families kind of decline that aspect. So for you and your personal experience, how is social justice related to mental health, especially in the South Asian community? Great question. Thank you. I think the place you mentioned sounds like it's a South Asian DV 
agency, right? Yeah. Yeah. I interned for one in New York, so so many thoughts, but I know we don't have time for all of it. So let's <laughs> talk about your question. Um, yes, I agree with that. It's not something that is promoted within our culture. So I'm probably the only person in my family who's been to therapy. I've been asked like, why, why would you pay for that? It's been very healing for me, even though there's, you know, there's challenges within the mental health system. But when we talk about social justice and mental health, let's think about domestic violence, right? Right now, at, at this very moment, people are having more anxiety, more trauma, simply because of the world we are living in. We are in a pandemic. So what, are, what we're already, like the situations we're already in, if we're already in a home with abuse, you know, th we're hearing that things are getting worse for those families. If we are in a society where we're afraid of, you know, the climate change, if we're afraid of sh uh, shootings, police brutality, school shootings for young people. I mean, it, I was 18 when Columbine happened, so I kind of, you know, wasn't growing up in that time. You're seeing things on social media. There's all these things happening. How can we, how can we be mentally well when we are afraid, when we are traumatized, and when society is telling us, like, is normalizing it, right? Like, it's, you don't talk about your problems. You, you don't talk about it to the outside world because then you'll get, you know, whatever we're being told why we don't talk about it, I think we have to question that. What are we being told not to talk about? Because yeah. I think it happens to youth activists a lot. Like, oh, well, why are they leaving school because of whatever? And it's like, no, anybody can talk about anything. It's important because we all need to talk about this stuff. It's happening. If we don't talk about it, it's still there. Yeah, 100%. And I, I would even go as far as to say that it this um, I kind of idea of not talking about it and repressing emotions is cultivated from a, some sort of aspect of social media, more or less um, this whole influencer culture where we idealize people's lives and we think that we have to put up a strong front and any breaks to that front means that we're allowing weakness in and that's to be avoided at all costs. Um, I think if we can normalize instead feeling that emotion, um, connecting with one another, realizing that our trauma can actually be a powerful movement, a powerful tool to help someone else in their struggles. Um, I honestly think we would get so much farther in social justice movements. Um, but you had mentioned COVID and I know, especially for domestic violence um, during lockdown, obviously it's gonna accelerate these issues because there's no one really to outreach outside of the walls of your home. So what are some ways to nurture mental and emotional health during quarantine and other crisis situations? Thank you for that question. Um, I'm gonna hit on the domestic violence. Like anybody who's in an unsafe situation may have different things going on. Like if had this happened to me when I was younger, it would be much different. I'm now single, I've been to lots of therapy, I live alone, it's way different than someone who's you know, in a situation where they might be a child in a domestic violence situation, a, a person whose partner, whatever it might be. So everybody has a different situation right now. But I think one thing that we have in common, most of us, is that things have changed a lot. Like everything has been rearranged. Everything that we were used to and that we thought would be happening is upside down. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think what's really important is maybe our usual ways of coping aren't working. Maybe what we thought we were going to do is it's not looking that way right now. You know, some people have graduated on Zoom or, you know, kids are in school. I never had to go through that as a young person. I'm, an, I'm a person with a job. It still impacts me, but it's so different for all of us. 
And I think what we have to do for those of us that have a level of safety, obviously safety is number one. We do our best to survive if we're in an unsafe situation and hopefully have resources like the, you know, there's resources out there for mental health and domestic violence, like hotlines and that kind of stuff. But I think for those of us that have a level of safety, we try to figure out the basics, like, you know, sleep, <laughs> hydration, sunshine, uh, movement, social media, limiting your news intake and your social media intake, um, having emotional support. Even if we're in a different world, we can still connect. It just looks different sometimes. And also having like self-compassion for ourselves, not, you know, remembering like we're in a pandemic and this, this world is a scary world. And maybe today I can, you know, be okay and just chill out a little bit because I'm going through a lot. I think we sometimes, especially I think even in Indian American homes, like we get taught, like you just kind of you know, you just go, 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 but it's also an American thing. You go, go, go. It's like yeah. capitalism, but no, we got to stop. That's what's happening right now. That's why we're having climate problems. We have to pause. Yeah, no, that's, that's like a beautiful thing that you touched upon. Um, I actually just started college. And so that whole mentality of go, go, go has been so ingrained in me. Um, and now I'm going to the University of Texas, Austin, and the professors have been so welcoming and so accommodating and changing their syllabus and changing um, the rubric of their grading to be able to accommodate for just life, you know, like things happen in life. It's so undecided. Um, but to a certain extent, it's like, why did it take a pandemic for us to realize that there's life beyond academics and there's life beyond kind of the rat race of society and its success isn't always determined by how much you've produced, um, how much you make, success is very internal. So that's something, the self-care aspect is something I think everyone definitely needs to work on. And if there's any pros of a pandemic, which there aren't many of, I think being able to reflect on your mental health is definitely one of them. Um, but kind of going back to your experience as a social worker, what's something like, what's the most important thing that you've learned on the job? I've learned, um... You know, we've talked a little bit about domestic violence, but social, when we talk about social justice, as a woman of color, as a survivor of, you know, domestic violence, but also someone who went through college, got my degrees, everything they say you're supposed to do, you know, went into the workforce. I think what I've really learned is um, basically like self-care, self-compassion um, and self-care. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote. I actually wrote it down because I wanted to say it on the podcast, but it's from Audre Lorde. And when I was in graduate school and I was like burning out because I was running around trying to do everything, I came across this quote and it helped me so much. It said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence, it's self-preservation. And that, in it, that is an act of political warfare. You know, as a person, a woman of color that holds space for people's pain as a living, but also having to navigate the workplace and the world as you know, through my gender, through my race and my background, yeah. you will come across the, like challenges. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I wanna help people and then you're in the workplace and you're not encountering it. I'm encountering racism and sexism in the workplace. Um, and I don't say that to be like, to be depressing. It's just that you have to learn how to advocate for your people you serve. If racial trauma impacts people's mental health, if we don't talk about it, we're not advocating for mental health. If we're not political and we just stay out of these things, we're not really advocating for the people we serve, but we also have to advocate for ourselves. So that's like a huge thing that I think I've learned. Wow, that's, that's amazing. And um, I what you were talking about, it being depressing, um, 
again, that goes back to the, the issue of like, it shouldn't be something depressing to people to talk about. It should be something that people are addressing, right? It happens more often than not. And um, as a person of color who's also trying to get out there to do social activism, I've faced similar experiences, obviously not in kind of the career and job force, but at my school, um, I went to a predominantly Catholic school and I did face certain microaggressions when I tried to stand out and speak for, for some things, but just as a personal question. So for someone who is going through certain instances of racism or even sexism, how can I sustain my energy when I'm trying to fight in the long haul for political issues or how can anyone in general? Good question. <laughs> um, I would say in the long haul, we have to pace ourselves. These problems didn't start with you and I, they started generations and generations ago. It's just that I'm sure you're so smart. I can, I just so like, I see the same passion in you that I have in myself. And it's, I think if we know a little bit about history, which we don't really get taught, we don't get taught Indian history. We just get taught, I mean, at least when I was going to school, you're younger than I am, but we get taught a certain thing. America loves immigrants. All people are created equal. That's the narrative we're getting taught. And then, you know, there's a reason why we get taught that, even though we're seeing what's happening right now with the, all the narratives we've been taught, everything about, like everything we get taught, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all this stuff, and look at what's happening. We're having climate crisis where, you know, um, so I think a lot of like oppressive systems just keep, you know, they keep remaking themselves. We get the modern criminal justice system is also, you know, racist, and there's all sorts of racism going on. Um, and I think we have to remember it's a long haul fight. We have to pace ourselves. And I think what we really also have to do, which I wish I had done younger, you, I think your generation might be, I don't want to say everyone is the same, but I know what I've learned now is I wish I had been more civically um, active, like more active in local politics, more knowledgeable about local politics and more empowered to, you know, kind of get engaged. But I also want to tell everybody, no matter what age they are, that you have a lot of allies. There's a lot of people that believe the way we do. We have to, we are very powerful on our own, but we are so powerful together. Look at what, look at the protests, look at what, it's not even just happening sometimes in our country, it's happening around the world. That's really powerful. That, that is so true. And, and that's the whole point of the community aspect, right? That's the whole point of going towards unity by, by aligning with each other and realizing that even if we represent different issues, even if it's domestic violence or racism, or um, you want to support people of homeless, homelessness, you know, even if it's different issues, there's a central theme. That central theme is human rights. That central theme is justice for everybody. Um, everyone should be treated equally. Uh, so I think if we can align our mentalities, um, then there's so much power we can do. And I think that just brings me to kind of off topic, but when we're advocating even on social media, you have people saying like, oh, I'm most passionate about this cause. Like, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm passionate about this cause. I want to focus on this. But I think what we're missing is that link that all causes essentially connect to one another. And if we can bring that all up together, then we can create something so powerful as a community 
um, that really accelerates our social justice movements. But obviously I know that's hard and it's something that we're still adjusting to. Like you said, we weren't taught social justice. Uh, luckily our generation is one that's starting to realize the societal problems that are happening, but it's not something you learn at school. So for youth who are trying to actually get involved in the movement, but don't know how to, what advice do you have for them, um, for people who want to make a difference? I think um, for people who want to make a difference, I want to tell you that if someone tell you have to believe in yourself, meaning that people are not, the status quo doesn't want people to make a difference and have a voice. That's why this is so important, what you're doing, Alicia, and what I'm doing, what we're talking to each other, because our voices matter, our experiences matter, but sometimes people dismiss your voice or your experience. They might say, well, why are kids, you know, being activists? I've been hearing it since I was a kid. They're gonna, you know, people are gonna still keep using some way to dismiss people that care about justice. So I would say one is make sure you're connecting to others with like-minded, not to say that, you know, we can't have, be open to other viewpoints, but let's connect to the energy of social change um, and to our allies. But also, I think another thing is that I think we can sometimes get overwhelmed by the weight of all of the problems. Like, oh my God, I can't, I better not use plastic. And I mean, not that we shouldn't care, but it's like, I've gotten caught up with feeling guilty because of all that's wrong in the world. If I'm not recycling properly, now it's my fault that, you know, no, actually it's not completely, the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. Yes, we can care and it's a hard balance to find, but we have to figure out what, what resources do I have? What am I passionate about? What, how can I make a difference? We all make differences in different ways. It could be simply that you are kind. When I was 15 years old, I chose to be kind to my family servant instead of being mean. That was a different time. Now maybe I have different, a different way to do it or different resources. You'll see like, you know, activism doesn't look one way. Look at people who are in sports, but they're being activists. Doesn't, you don't have to be a social worker to be an activist. You just have to figure out what corner of this fight or what resources do I have? What is my vision? How do I kind of tune into myself and tune out the people who are telling me this isn't the right fight because it is the right fight it's been going on for generations and it's going to go on for generations um and it doesn't look a certain way i think anybody can be an activist you can be an artist and you can be an activist i mean we've seen that right you can make jewelry and make it an activist cause you can do anything and be an activist but i think we get told a lot even we were talking about indian american culture we get told a lot, this is what success looks like. You go to college, you get a degree, you become this profession, you get married, you have children, whatever the narrative is, that's success. But I think success is, you know, like you said, what, who you are, like, who are you? And then how do you bring that into the world? So. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think this is a really powerful statement to close it off on, but I will add one more thing. It's not like you said, it's not everyone's problems on your shoulder. Um, it's also, it's okay to feel guilt, to, it's okay to not have everything, know every single movement, know the details of every single movement. It's okay to not follow every single rule, um, as long as you're open-minded, right? As long as if someone corrects you, you're willing to make that change, even if it's super incremental, again, pace yourself, right? It's, it's okay to not have it all down right now, but, people aren't looking, society isn't looking for pe perfect people or we shouldn't be looking for perfect people. We should be looking for people who are willing to make a change to, to reach that unity um, and to eventually come together as one. Yeah, 
I love that. I, I just want to really quickly say, I think that applies to a lot in life. Perfectionism will keep hold you back from so many things you want to do. If you can just be okay with trying your best and being like, okay, I made some mistakes and learning. I think that's a great lesson. So thank you for ending on that. Of course. And we could honestly go on forever, Rithu. Um, we have so much to connect on, but we'll save that for another time. But thank you so much for coming and talking to all of our audience members on our professional perspective series today. It was super insightful. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Of course. You all can find more about Ritu and her work on our Instagram account at creative underscore healing underscore collective and website www.creativehealingcollective.net. That's all we have for today, unfortunately, but be sure to look out for more episodes on our professional perspective series of What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and I hope you all continue changing the world.